Welcome to the Podity. I'm Nate. I'm Steven. And this is the show where we talk about all things nerdy, from Obscurials to Chillin'. And today we'll be talking about Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Alon Z. So right at the beginning, I think I want to hit you guys with a major spoiler alert. There's no way I can talk about this movie, I feel, without spoiling almost... Without spoiling anything from the Harry Potter franchise yeah. and the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Yep. I don't think that's possible. Nope. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to hit you with a spoiler alert straight up, straight right from the beginning, right from the get-go. Now you know we're going to spoil it for you. If you haven't watched it all, you can catch all, I believe, eight Harry Potter movies and at least the first two. I think by the time this airs, you'll be able to catch all three on HBO Max. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so all 11 films that are regarding in the Harry Potter... Harry Potter... The Harry Potter, Harry Potter <laughs> universe. You'll be able to watch it on HBO Max. Should be able to. Right, yeah. I know for a fact that the eight movies are up there. Oh yeah, definitely. I think they use that as a... In the collaboration with HBO. And that's why... I mean, they bring that in. And while they also bring in uh the reunion. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Right, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And um, HBO is owned by Warner Discovery. I yes. believe so. Everything Warner Discovery is gonna be there. Yeah. So that's, it's gonna be crazy, man. Yeah. Everything. I think we we misspoke about something before. There was a Warner Discovery property, and we said Paramount Plus. I think I meant I meant to say HBO Max. Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> not Paramount Plus. So that's all the DC stuff, I believe. Warner, right? yeah. Warner, right? Under WB. Yeah. Um, the CW channel as well. Everything from there. So your, I think you like your Riverdale and your Supernatural and your Flash, The Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, all that stuff. The Vampire Diaries, I think, mm. all are should be on HBO Max. I know for a fact that Gossip Girl is on HBO Max because my brother watched it recently. Oh, okay. When he was in the states with my sister. Right. So then, what's in Paramount Plus? Then it's Star just Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Any other thing? I think something soon. I can't remember, actually. You know, that's a very good point. Let me pull that up. There should be more than just one thing from, uh, what do you call it? Streaming service. Or at least some uh, a, property, a big property. Yeah, well, I mean, a big property is Star Trek, very obviously, because they yeah. have so many things already, because CBS has most of the Star Trek stuff. They have, like, T- there's TOS, TNG... Okay, wait, wait, we're getting off track. This is <laughs> this is Star Trek. Okay, exactly, but like they have yeah. others. Like just for information, <laughs> in case you, I don't want to leave anything cl- like open ended. There are a few things like Beavis and Butthead, RuPaul's Drag Race, Good Fight, stuff like that. Twilight Zone, I guess, and all the Star Trek stuff on Paramount Plus. But yeah, that is not what we're talking about today. Today we're going to be talking about Secrets of Dumbledore. Yes, the third installment of the show. Yes, and possibly final. We'll get a little bit into that at the end of the episode. But yeah, the third installment of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. And okay, I just want to ask you right off the bat, what do you think about it? Oh man, I I gotta be honest, it's gonna be negative, man. Negative? For me, yeah. Okay, like bad all throughout? Oh, 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 you mean the series? Um, I think the first... The movie, this movie, Secrets of Dumbledore, yeah. I think it's... I, I didn't enjoy it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, throughout, most of it, actually. Um, I mean, the, in terms of story aspect, it's, it's a bit on the downside for me. But, uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of 
uh, some of specific scenes are quite good, uh, well written. Uh, but overall, to me, I think that was just a bit of a letdown, personally. Okay. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, I went into it expecting nothing much. Okay. Which I think I should do for most movies now. <laughs> I it it was it wasn't the best, very obviously. You know, it wasn't mind blowing, but it was all right. Right. Okay. It's not too bad. Everything yeah. looks pretty. Oh, okay, definitely. That's one of the that's one of the up, definitely. So yeah. I, I would always think about four things when I'm watching a movie, as particularly a big movie like this. The story. Yeah. The visuals. Mm-hmm. The audio yeah. and the performances. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So for me, three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I look at these four, four things as well, but my weightage on the story. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it does. But, you know, three out of four ain't bad. You know, it probably scored better in my, like, I probably scored it better than any score I've ever got in school. So that's saying something. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, the story was okay. So uh, we're just going to jump straight course, into it. Like, yeah, sure. First of all, like we always like to do, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Yeah. Then we'll get into like yeah. the, these four points a little bit later. So the cast that I want to say when it comes to like a synopsis of what Fantastic Beast is, you should already know it if you're listening to this episode. And to think of a synopsis, I typically write all our synopsis from scratch. And I sat there for like 20 minutes last night and I tried to write it. I don't know how to do a Fantastic Beast Secrets of Dumbledore synopsis because I would have to basically explain what happened in the previous two movies. Yes. Which sucks because any movie I feel in a franchise should still be able to stand alone as a standalone movie. Right. And this one does not. This one cannot. You you definitely, you if you go in cold without watching the first two movies, you will be lost. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the cast. So it's directed by David Yates, who did all the last four Harry Potter movies from Order of the Phoenix all oh, the way right, to okay. Deathly Hallows Part 2. Yeah. And then he did the first two Fantastic Beasts movie and the third Fantastic Beasts movie. Right, okay. So yeah. in the 11 Harry Potter universe movies, he's done seven of them. Hey, that's uh, more than a passing mark. Mu- yeah. <laughs> seven out of 11. Ain't yeah. Bad, <laughs> so yeah. He's done most of the movies so far, and it, you can very clearly tell that it's his style. Yep. I think we spoke about this in the Harry Potter episode. By the way, go check that out. We we spoke a little bit about our favorite movies from the Harry Potter franchise, and we kept mentioning our favorite movies. Our favorite movie, I think, collectively was Prisoner of Azkaban. That's we agreed. right. Yeah. Then we agreed Chamber of Secrets was a very scary one. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit about how much Goblet of Fire changed the world. Yeah. And then it ended there. Did you realize? I didn't realize until I listened back that we didn't really even mention Order of the Phoenix onwards. We didn't, but we did mention that. I think I mentioned Order of the Phoenix one is my favorite book. Yeah, it, yeah, we did mention the book is our favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, yeah. I mean, it goes to show you that he has a style and maybe it's not suited to our style. Yeah, I think that's fair enough to say that. I will say that I don't particularly enjoy his version of storytelling. Because his stories are a little bit all over the place. Yeah. And you can kind of see that from Order of the Phoenix onwards. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying that in a world of amazing directors and storytellers, he would David Yates would not be the first person in my head to that I'll be like, oh yeah, he's a great director, you know? Right, yeah. Agree. I mean, I also mentioned that I my favorite movies are whatever you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And none of it is his movie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we move a little bit onto the composer, James Newton Howard. He did a lot of stuff, a really lot of stuff. You know, he's done most of M. Night Shyamalan's movies. Uh, he did Space Jam, Hunger Games trilogy franchise, Quadrology. He also did King Kong, uh, and very recently he did Raya and Jungle Cruise with Disney. Right, okay. So it seems like he is he is going to be hired by Disney going forward, which is not, honestly speaking, I really liked the soundtrack for yeah, Fantastic Beasts actually, 3. I want to say that the soundtrack actually is... The soundtrack was really good it's, because he yeah. incorporated a lot of uh, John Williams stuff in it. Exactly. Like I, the uh, original, yeah. especially because you have so many swooping shots of Hogwarts this episode, right? Yeah. Or this episode, this movie. Yep. There are so many, like, the way he incorporated the main theme of Harry Potter into it. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I I remember watching this movie. Yeah. Soundtrack's definitely one of the, one of my favorites in mm-hmm. this movie. Right. Uh, I remember watching, yeah, actually all the Hogwarts scenes, like, oh man, all these memories coming back to me mm. because he used the originals course and yeah, I think it was well done. And not only that, I think throughout as well, uh, the battle scene, uh, even, I can't remember specifically, but the music has basically always pulled the story forward. Definitely. There's yeah. the scene where at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, where yeah. they're doing the election, where the chillin is going to choose the next um, leader, right? Leader of the whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't very... I, I if, if I don't know what they're talking about on screen, that says a lot. Uh. You're just thrown into an election <laughs> and a political landscape and then you have three candidates and then you're, they're apparently leading something. There is a Chinese delegation, there is a Spanish delegation and apparently you can have a last minute insertion of a former crook that was just cleared of his name. How does that not reek of freaking... Like yeah, and okay, and that's some of the points that corruption. That's the word I was thinking of. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just saying that in terms of writing a story, there's part and parcel of why it felt is not so good for me because there's a lot of loopholes and the more and a lot of confusion actually. Precisely, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I, I am not so sure whether. David Yates, uh, he's being the director, actually responsible for all the storylines. No, no, no. No, 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 no. He's definitely not the screenwriter of right. the, the thing, but his version of storytelling as well, of how it jumps from place to place and everything, it's not the best. Right, okay. So that's yeah. what I meant. The way he pieces it all together. Yeah. He's the storyteller. He's not the writer. Yeah. But I will say the writing is pretty crap as well, anyway. Yeah, I I will say his storytelling is better than the writing. <laughs> so you know, he has so, to work with the story, right? Yeah, the in a sense the owner of this property. In yeah, fact, which is right? I'll get into it a little bit yeah. later as well because I I have something to say about this, which will come into the end of the episode. Oh, okay, I'll yeah. keep it so, to the end as well. James Newton Howard also, but the composer, by the way, in yes, case yeah. he also did Batman Begins and The Dark Knight with Z- with Zimmer. I did not know that. I did not know that as well. I had to. I dug in and I found out. I was like, "What? Batman Begins? No, nah, that's Hans Zimmer." And then I clicked into it. And then I read up. And apparently, the first two were a collaboration between the two of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a surprise. Yeah, it's and, news uh, to me, man. And it's amazing discovery, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so different from the Hans Zimmer stuff. Yes. Yeah, but I love it anyway. And I, he's going towards Disney now, so that's good for him as well. Raya and Jungle Cruise are big names. Yes. In Disney, it's yeah. not like the, it's not like Turning Red where they just you know it's just a streaming platform movie. It's an actual theater movie. Yeah, Raya know? was really good, man. I Raya was really good. I enjoyed Raya. I really did too. Yeah. I think Raya for a lot of people was the first movie they watched after the pandemic. 
Oh, exactly. Because that was yeah, around the right. time yeah. where th- yeah. their things were easing up a little bit. Yeah. I didn't watch Jungle Book. Uh, Jungle, Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Uh, that's the one. Have where... I been saying Jungle Book? I think I have. I might I might have listened. Okay, so, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. David, uh, no, James, <laughs> <laughs> James, how did Jungle Cruise, not Jungle Book? Clarification. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't watch Jungle Cruise either. That's the one with... Uh, the Rock and Emily Blunt. Yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah. It looks good though, but I, I didn't watch it. Yeah, well... The I, trailer looks... I, I, I saw the trailer. I haven't watched it anymore because I just thought, I don't need more of The Rock right now. Right. I'm saving it for when... Black Adam. Yeah, or like something interesting of his that I really want to watch. That's why I haven't even watched Fast 9, was it? I don't even know if he's in it. I stopped following after Fast 6 or 7. Yeah. I can't remember anymore. It was, Seven, uh, I think, a, yeah. I know John Cena's in this one, so that's kind of why I wanted to watch it. But like, yeah, I'm a John Cena fan. But we'll see. Okay, so moving on. Definitely the cast, they've all been there for a long time. I want to like give props to the performances of the cast. I will. I would will, like to see that as well. Because they are, they've done an amazing job. Yeah, right? since day one, Eddie Redmayne has carried this whole freaking franchise on his back. And he yeah. has not let any single thing deter him from trying to make it a success. Yeah. So freaking props to Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. The inclusion of Jude Law as Dumbledore was one that was... I was initially kind of, okay, you know, kind of hesitant and like a feeling a little bit odd. But yeah, he nailed it really well. I will say his accent at times is kind of odd. <laughs> Maybe. And yeah. it's not from scene to scene. It's from sentence to sentence. So sometimes he might... if. If anything, moving forward, I think that this franchise is moving towards a Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. You know? Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm getting out of this as well. Yeah, so he might want to polish up that accent just in case that might happen. Yeah. Because there are some parts where he calls Jacob Mr. Kowalski, and then right in the next sentence he just calls him Co- Mr. Mr. Kowalski. Like, you know, the emphasis in between sentences kind of a bit weird. Right, I did not pick picked up on those things. It's a little weird, yeah. yeah. But really good performance by Jude Law, anyway. Yeah, definitely. He yeah. made Dumbledore very a very sympathetic character, which yes. is not something you I often feel for a character who is the most powerful wizard of all time. Yeah, but he's always been sympathetic. No, in really. The, Have you the, ever sympathized with Dumbledore, even in the main in the main series? series? Yeah. Well, at least from Harry's point of view, not sympathize with him, like like um. Well, align with him. Sure, he's a good person. Right, right. But I, I don't. I've never really felt like, oh, poor Dumbledore. Oh, you mean like, oh, right. I, sorry, I'm get, I'm get. I, I thought what you meant was Dumbledore sympathizing with another no, 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 person. No. I have never sympathized with Dumbledore. Oh, before. right. Okay, yeah. you. Oh, oh, right. You mean the audience sympathizing? Yeah, with Dumbledore. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no. Uh, Which is a, a credit to Jude Law's performance. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think him. Doing this version of Dumbledore, honestly speaking, honors Richard Harris's Dumbledore a little bit more than Michael Gambon's Dumbledore, because Richard Harris's Dumbledore is more akin to the books Dumbledore. I feel, and Michael Gambon's Dumbledore is just Michael Gambon, as is most of anything Michael Gambon ever does. <laughs> so yeah, Jude Law, I feel, right. does a really good job in trying to like bring out like invoking sympathy in the audience. And good job, him, man. Dan Fogler, amazing. Yeah. Every single little thing with Dan Fogler I love. Even the part where he went on, especially when he went onto the, the train, he took a bit of the giggle water and just went, yeah. ah! <laughs> <laughs> just, He's amazing, yeah. Yeah, a it's throwback so funny. to before. Right, yeah. Every single, yeah. He is another one there as well that is able to evoke such emotion in people. Actually, he 
he has the most important role. Yeah. I feel, uh, especially in invoking emotion for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's so good. And every single one of these, like, honestly speaking, it's not a stellar cast. It's not like a top A grade cast, you know, other than the Eddie Redmayne Jude Law and like a few names that this series franchise kind of made. Other than that, they're not really major stars. Yeah. Maybe Mads Michelson. Yep. You know, he is kind of a big name. He's been around in like so many blockbuster movies since like the 90s. He was in that Bond movie. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I can't remember which one. But he yeah, was he playing was. the villain, right? Yeah, he's always the villain. Caselius. He was a Caselius in Doctor Strange. Ah, oh, right. yeah, the first yeah, one. Yeah. So yeah, he's always the villain. He has a villain's face. He Let's does, be honest. He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would, if if you see a hero came up to you and he looks like Matt Michelson, would you be able to trust him? I think he would kill the villain. <laughs> I think like guy with that face being the hero coming in to save me. I think he would very easily kill the villain. Yes, that yeah. might inspire some trust in. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe not. Or yeah. he'll lose it on the spot after. Exactly. Right? I, I wouldn't put it above him to kill me after. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everybody in this film did, I feel, such a great job. Agree. And yeah, so I, it's it kind of sucks that it's probably not going to carry on. I mean, we don't know yet, right? We don't know, yeah. I'll get into it like right at the end, yeah. But what are some of your favorite scenes from this movie? Oh, uh, I think at the top of my head will be... The introduction of oh man, what's her character? Lali, Lali, right? Lali, the lady. Yeah, the the professor Lali. Professor Lali. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I think that was a pretty good introduction. She was just sitting at the bench, and then there was a misdirect. She orchestrated the whole thing. Exactly. And yeah. Then, yeah. The misdirect was very nice to watch. Yeah. And very and, interesting character as well. Yeah, and I like her confidence and charisma and how her she ability, cares yeah. about uh. What's that guy's name again? Jacob. Right. Uh, even all the way. Because I think they were partnered as... Oh, the throughout the whole throughout, movie, right? they yeah. were like more or less partnered. They went to the dinner together. Yeah. They went there, yeah. And then my other favorite scene will be the dinner itself. I think when he mm. did a spell... Okay, he didn't do a spell. Oh, yeah. She controlled him she to controlled, cast a spell. Yeah, Exactly. That was pretty awesome Like throughout the, that whole portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this is a strange thing this is just for me when I was watching it mm-hmm. it's not even a, but it's the most memorable not my favourite it's the last last bit of the movie okay where you finally beat uh, Grindelwald okay and then he was just walking up and then he was standing on the wall at right. the edge of the wall and I don't know why in my head I started seeing or at least it plays in my head oh that this line is gonna be perfect if Johnny Depp was being Grindelwald and then he just said this is the day that I'll, you almost caught Grindelwald <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I think that would that kind of play in my head. Like, oh my goodness, such a wasted scene opportunity. and opportunity, and or even didn't have the exact exact line. Yeah, played around with something else. Kinda, I think yeah. it's gonna be so funny, and people will just love it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but this is the, the three scenes in my on, in my head. How about yours? Uh, I have a few, not really particularly scenes, but I like the way that. Oh, like I mentioned, Jude Law's performance of Dumbledore is amazing. I think I really liked it a lot for other than the minor details. But you get to see the way Dumbledore works, people. If you listen back to our Harry Potter episode, I say he's basically he basically groomed Harry for death through manipulation and everything. And he manipulated uh, Minerva as well, McGonagall. And you get to see a kinder version of this 
in this movie, in this film in particular. You know, he split up the whole group doing their own things and he basically got Bunty, who is a Newt's kind of assistant, yeah. to work by herself with Newt not knowing the fate of his case. Yeah. So, yes, he he emotionally, like, kind of manipulates people to trust him, but he abuses that trust, man. Come on. Taking Newt's case away from him, even though it's in the hands of Bunty, yes, but still, that is kind of an abuse of trust already, man. I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Nobody can know the full plan. Well, just I, let him in on, you know, the fate of his freaking friends. Exactly, right? Yeah. I was oh thinking of goodness. the same thing as well. Yeah. Like, give this guy a break. He helped. He saved the world like twice over now. <laughs> this is going to be the third time he's saving the world and you're still not going to... Uh, yeah, it's that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It, Dumbledore is so... Um, the character is so... He... Yeah. It reminds me of this one scene with Snape. Has it ever occurred to you in your brilliant mind that your your plans might not be... Your plans might be flawed or something like that in that one scene? I don't remember in that. from, yeah. like... I think it was... It has to be... It has to be Deathly Hallows. Because I just... I, I assume this is bef- just before... Sn- the big reveal, right? Yeah, this was a flashback. Yeah. And Snape was like, it's like a memory. <sighs> yeah. It's such a good scene and it shows everywhere basically throughout this whole film. Dumbledore likes to abuse his, the people's trust they have in him. Which is why the Chillin should have never bowed for him. That was a point that I didn't like either in the story. Like, I get that you're trying to make Dumbledore look like it, but he's not. Yeah, actually, I didn't like that as well. He's not that kind of yeah. person. I told you that I I like Dumbledore as a character. Yeah. Eventually, at the end of the Harry Potter franchise. Okay. Right? After with Harry and all mm-hmm. that. I think in the, pre- in the previous uh, podcast episode, I was telling you that. But I know I didn't like that the Chilin bowed to him. Yeah. It's, it's just not the right off. fit. It's off. It's, it feels forced. He's not supposed to be a leader. He's, the, he's supposed to me in my head. At least he's a teacher. He's, it feels very forced. Like, if yeah. people look to him, yes, because of his ability. But the children should be able to see more than... Children should be able to see past it that he's not pure. Yeah. You know, they should be able to see everything that Dumbledore is and he is not that kind of person. Exactly, yeah. If you tell me the children bowed to Harry Potter, I would believe that. Yep. You know, if you tell me the children bowed to Voldemort, I would believe that he's pure evil. You know, that kind of thing. But I don't believe it bound to Dumbledore. You know, there's something about it that... If you told me about to McGonagall, I would believe it. I agree. Even yeah. Snape, I would agree. Yes, yeah, it's true. Dumbledore yeah. is very... It's a very grey character, you know? And it kind of bugged me that that happened. Yeah. Yeah, but I will say the story is not the best. But the visual of the Chillin coming back to Grindelwald and him slicing, the, like, slitting its throat and everything, those are all really cool. And honestly speaking, like in the four things, the story, visuals, audio, and the performances, I can only really fault the story. Everything else is kind of really amazing. Like the 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 graphics for the whole movie is really cool. And that last part, like you mentioned, when Kaz- not Casilius, I almost called him Casilius, Grindelwald <laughs> uh, summoned Otoluk's resilient sphere and like covered himself. I'm like, what kind of spell is that? Why don't they teach that in Defense Against the Dark Arts? Why have I never seen anybody <laughs> in the history of all the Harry Potter films ever do a spell like that? 
I think to get the answer, you got to listen our, to our Poverty More episode from last week. Yeah, exactly. This guy breaking the system right here, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's ridiculous that uh, it's, the writing is so all over the place. Wait, hang on. Just before we go continue in this tangent, what, which one was your favorite scene again? My favorite, okay, I haven't gotten to my favorite scene yet, <laughs> right, actually. Right. My favorite scene is another thing about magic. So there is this one scene where they were in the streets of Bhutan. Okay. And they were fighting against all of Grindelwald's people and the yeah. German ministry and everything. And Lally and Theseus were together in a corridor. Right. And she just waved her wand and sent the guy into a brick wall. Oh, that was... Okay, that's pretty awesome. What yeah. the hell, man? Why aren't they teaching that in defense against the dark arts? If you want to know the answer to that... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I shall not go there again. It's so ridiculous, right? Like, yeah. where are they getting these amazing spells? And why have you never seen like a, a person from the Order of the Phoenix or a Death Eater do these kind of things before. The, the Order of the Phoenix has in their in their army like what a few of the most powerful wizards ever. You have Kingsley Shacklebolt, you know? Yeah. You have Molly Weasley. They are like op- they are often stated to be amazingly powerful. Man-Eye Moody. You have Man Eye Moody what before he died. Yeah. You have you have Sirius, you have Remus, you have Tongs. You have so many ugh, and none of them thinks even freaking Dumbledore never does this. Okay, he did some cool water shit. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, awesome, the fight right? against Voldemort yeah. and everything. Yeah, but honestly speaking, throughout these, the past, well, the previous movie, Crimes of Grindelwald and Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, the thing that Kingsley Shacklebolt brings the most true, you may not like him, Minister, but you have to admit, that Dumbledore's got style. <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah. he's really cool. Yeah. That holding with the glove, yeah. oh my god, wave the, the just the glove waving in midair, pointing the direction and then floating there and then going the, and then a different glove again like gesturing to come over that thing was cool man yeah that's awesome yeah Dumbledore's really got style man yeah and he takes off his hat and it's like a freaking um, bag of holding oh yeah that's right yeah that's so cool oh right yeah those awesome. are like a few things that I really liked a lot <laughs> uh, yeah I also really like Newt everything Newt does is amazing and when he first gets the whole team together and he sees Jacob and he's so ecstatic. Yeah. And he's like just so overwhelmed with joy to see Jacob again. And he and he's just like introducing everybody and everything. After he's done with the introduction, he just walks awkwardly to the front of the thing and just stands down there. And Bunty's like, oh, and then moves to the fore. And everybody <laughs> turns their direction to him. He is so and um Eddie Redmayne has said in interviews before that he his portrayal, his performance of Newt Scamander is a person who is on the spectrum, as a person with autism. And so he does that really well, as it definitely comes across that Newt Scamander is a person on the spectrum. And there he goes saving the world, man. <sighs> Another scene I really loved was Dumbledore in the Great Hall, which, by the way, looked really small. Yeah. And then, then there were students in the Great Hall and Dumbledore just turned around and started waving his wand and smoke coming out and then, then yeah. the camera pans up and all of a sudden there weren't students anymore. And I... then you see the image of Bhutan starts to float <laughs> up. You know, when I was watching that scene, I was thinking, isn't this like some secret mission and all that? <laughs> and then you're doing this right in the dining hall yeah. of Hogwarts? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but that's not what I like about the scene. The thing I really liked about the scene was when the 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 imagery of Bhutan started to rise up. Yeah, I and know what immediately you mean. Eddie Redmayne, um, not Eddie Redmayne, Newt was like Bhutan. That's right, three points to Hufflepuff. <laughs> I just love that, like Dumbledore awarding him three points when most professors would award like five points to a student for the in like in 
in the years of Harry Potter, right, the least the least you've ever heard was five points. Exactly. Right? I think it was the inflation between the nineteen thirties to the nineteen. I would believe too. Yeah. I believe three that points as well. had to become yeah. five points. If not, they couldn't afford stuff at the points <laughs> points redemption center or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, due to due to inflation, the three points had to become five points. <laughs> Also, you know, whenever I like, I've always wondered, like, when professors say however many points to whichever house, the points are in the books. It's described that in the in their in their what what you call that in their common room, there is like a jar in the Gryffindor common room. There's a jar, and every time a professor awards however many points to a person, rubies will immediately automatically drop from the top into the jar to yeah, show like a yeah, filling up of yeah. the points yeah right and then it was rubies sapphires emeralds and i guess poop for hufflepuff because nobody <laughs> cares about us right topaz, <laughs> topaz yeah i know it's topaz, <laughs> but, yeah but so i wonder if at that moment dumbledore just awarded three points to hufflepuff for no reason i think so right i i would believe it's a bit like you know like programming, you know, in this yeah, current exactly, day, like Google, yeah. like Google, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like the moment you say it, it they recognize happens. your it's voice. A, it's, yeah, it's a command. And then the AI kind of, the exactly. magic AI yeah. kind of like just drop oh, three more rubies. Drop three rubies because someone with the professor uh, authority yeah. says uh, a house points name. To this house, yeah. And then exactly. how many points. Exactly. Right? So I think it just happens. And maybe that's why he only gave three points. Maybe that's For why. alumni. And if he could have just said points to Hufflepuff. He could, but he wants... But the... he's, he's Dumbledore. Everything <laughs> he does is like, oh, I came up with this system. 10 points to Dumbledore. <laughs> you know? It's just everything he does revolves around him, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I also really wondered, like, how cool would that be? Like, can you imagine if, of course, they're Hogwarts professors and they're above board and everything, but can you imagine, like, Slughorn? He's a little bit sketchy <laughs> at times, you know? You know? And, like, I can really imagine him giving his house a heads up it for the house cup every once in a while you know like uh point out a slytherin person and give them a low ball easy question very good two thousand points to slytherin <laughs> maybe yeah oh, maybe there's there's and a record be, and everybody will be like professor and like it's a joke everyone relax and then he he's charismatic enough that he could pull that kind of thing <laughs> off I think slughorn slughorn is one of my favorite professors by the way yeah like, i love him so much so nonsense Sorry? He's so nonsense. Yeah, he's this old, just doesn't care about anything anymore. He he cares about fa- favoritism. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. he'll never not care about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait. Another few of my favorite moments. I do have a couple more. It's when I like every single interaction. I like everything with the beasts. Every single interaction with any beast. Yeah. Like the, except, oh, yeah. For, except for the kind of lobster crab walk people. Ah, oh, right. You didn't like that one? I felt it was interesting and funny. Yeah, I think I felt it was forced. I can't. I can't argue. Yeah, I that. felt that they had to force a beast moment into it. Yeah, because the title is still Fantastic Beast. Yeah, and I'll I think touch, it's funny I'll though. touch a little bit about the at the end as well. But I also I really liked um the open. This wasn't the opening scene, but it was early in the early in the show. Might have been the opening scene. When Newt goes upon chances upon the Chillin. Oh, that's the very beginning, man. Yeah, and then he yeah. chances upon the Chillin twin. Yeah. And he faints. And he passes out, basically. And, like, you see Teddy, I think it was his name. He, the, the, his little friend, his beast. Right, okay, I can't remember, yeah. Teddy the Niffler. 
He's the one that is the most greedy one that's always with... Yes, with the Nuke. one that likes the coins, right? Yeah, yeah, the one that's always with Newt. And Teddy basically opens up the case and goes in and calls that be- that duck-looking thing. And Pickett also goes in. Pickett is that plant thing. Yes. And puts on the tiny little goggles. <laughs> yeah. And Teddy was just sitting around there. And then this duck thing basically ballooned its neck and wrapped its tail around Newt and this briefcase. And started to balloon and balloon and balloon, lift him up and then transform to like this dragon kind of thing. That was so cool. That that beast was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I love every single iteration of the beast in this in this franchise, let alone this movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, the, the beast portions are always very fascinating. And I think the sad part is that it's not integral in the whole story. Yeah. Except right? for the chillin', which was like, again, kind of forced. But the chillin could just be not a beast. The chillin could just be a, you know, a spell. magical it's item. It's a freaking magic spell. world, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it could be a, a sorting hat kind of. Precisely, And yeah. it still be the same kind of. Movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's, that's why it's kind of forced. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <sighs> I don't know. But I, I'm taking it away that you don't like the movie. Oh, I don't like the movie. At all? <laughs> no, okay. I do. I, like I said, there are moments of it which I do like. Mm-hmm. But those are moments. In the overall story, I'm... Basically, I came out of the movie thinking everything looked nice, sounds good, acting was good. Yeah. But I kind of want to watch another show that has a proper logical storyline. Feels story like empty like. carbs. Yeah. yeah it, it, it feels like empty calories you know it's like a bag of potato chips everything in theory is you know presentation is very nice it's kind of good but it's not nourishing okay in terms of nourishment yeah it's not yeah Yeah. so I went I remember after the whole movie I, wa- I watched it with Liz in the theater right okay and shout out to Liz and shout out Liz <laughs> and then the moment we reached back she said both of us agree hmm, let's watch another show because that wasn't satisfying at all yeah it wasn't good at yeah. all yeah I mean, it's very, and it's more, even more so disappointing that this movie is the end, kind of the the third installment of this franchise. Because I did really enjoy the first one. You know, the first Fantastic Beast was very interesting. The second one, the sequel, which which was Crimes of Grindelwald, kind of expanded upon that very well. Mm, yeah. And developed the story very, very well as well. Yeah. And every single thing about it was interesting, especially the relationship of. Newt and um, what's the name Poppy yes that's right yeah. yeah which was a very interesting thing and, and then you took her out from this movie I think it was a budget thing right okay probably because there were too many people already yeah actually that's one of my issues okay wait you want to talk uh, let me just share with you about yeah this issue. go ahead yeah I feel that instead of bringing in a new character like Lally Lally although, although she's an awesome character mm-hmm. I would think that you should keep Poppy in. Or even, in fact, someone like Yusuf. Yeah. He didn't do, didn't do anything at all. He didn't do anything. He doesn't yeah. even need to sacrifice his whole memory to Grindelwald to By be the there. Way, I have a big stink about that, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, in my point of view, it's just really him not doing anything. Yeah. And all actually what he can do, right? Just not join the group, be at Bhutan, yeah. and then just hide in among, among the other people living in Bhutan. Mm-hmm. And when the Party needs it. He just do the spell, the big spell that he did. Yeah, and that's it, man. That's his whole role. Well, he no, he to... also had to run around Bhutan with a suitcase to <laughs> confuse people. That's all. <laughs> he he wasn't running around Bhutan with suitcase, right? Because he was that's with true. The yeah, that's true. He was with Grindelwald already. Yeah, because he's supposed to be the secret agent. Yeah, and then last minute he turned around and yeah. he cast the big spell. 
So it's, 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 it, that, that really fell very flat. You take him out, yeah. you put in someone, someone from the previous uh, franchise and then you get at least all the main characters mm-hmm. instead of just saying, oh, now she's busy as a hit aura. Yeah. You know? I thought it was a but I don't know. The thing is, I, I did, really did like, it's again, one of my favorite moments and my favorite moments throughout the whole movie was when Newt finally met her at Jacob and Queenie's wedding. Oh, right. I see. End. That's the end, yeah. yeah. Which, honestly speaking, I like, I haven't and I haven't spoken about this yet, but that is my favorite thing throughout the whole movie. The movie that doesn't re- the part the parts that don't revolve around story, don't revolve around magic, don't revolve around anything but pure emotion, which was that scene where fr- starting from the scene where you see Jacob bossing around his that that kid and Queenie's telling him to relax, she comes in and he's like, "No, I don't want to see you. You're it's you're in your dress and everything, you know that whole human side of everything." That was the freaking best part of the. Actually, I completely, I, I kind of forgot about that part. And I, yeah, that, that would have been my fav- one of my favorite parts. That is the well, best yeah. part about it. And yeah. the direction of it was so good as well. You know, with the snow outside and everything. Yeah. It's just, it did so, it was, honestly speaking, I think that's David Yates' um, niche. That's his best ability. Because my, fa- my favorite memory from the four Harry Potter movies that he's directed is basically, honestly, the time that Ron, Harry, and Hermione spent on a run. Yeah, which was less about the magic, less about the story, about and more just about the dynamics and relationship between the people. Harry and uh, Hermione dancing. Yeah, that was exactly very... the just them doing that stupid awkward dance on Christmas, I think. Yeah, because they were so stressed out with so many Ron things. Leaving, and, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he does that really well. And that whole last scene where Newt meets Poppy again, and then Lally comes along and brings her in, and then Newt spots Dumbledore across. And Dumbledore starts speaking to him. That is in a very powerful, amazing scene. And just Dumbledore thanking Newt for saving the world three times. Yeah. And Newt saying, I would do it again. If you ever need, just call. That kind of thing. It's Honestly speaking, it's a good way to end Newt's story already. And yeah, I think that's my favorite part about of the whole, whole freaking last, the third movie. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. That's definitely yeah. my, one of my favorite parts as well. And now, um, there are other cool things. Like, for example, like the Grindelwald's henchmen were Carol and Rosier. Rosier? Rosier. Which was two, which are two of names that carry throughout the Harry Potter franchise all the way to when Harry was in Hogwarts as well. Oh, there was, um, right, okay. well, he wasn't in, technically in Hogwarts. It was in that final year where he yeah. skipped school. Okay. And the Carols were the deputy headmasters under Snape. Right, okay. Who were the ones that were torturing and like tortured Neville with the Cruciatus curse or something like that as well. Right, okay. Yeah, and they were the ones that were very interesting, very, very constantly tortured the students. And one of them was taught, taught defense against the dark arts, but it was at that point actually just the dark arts. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Those were the Carols. <laughs> And Rosier, Rosier, Rosier was a Death Eater under Voldemort. Cool. I did not get that at yeah, all. Yeah, because yeah. Um, the Caros and the Rosiers are actually... It's not very surprising because they are part of the, the Sacred 28 in the Harry Potter universe, which is the 28 the, British families who are truly uh, yeah, pure-blooded. Uh, pure blood, sorry. Yeah. Right? Which is so odd because Grindelwald is not British. And... Rossier and Caro don't appear to be British as well. In fact, Rossier is French. So the 28 British families aren't even British, apparently. 
I guess everything restarts after the war. I don't know. No, the, <laughs> because that, that list of, um, what you call that, there was a list of the 28 names that was yeah. done, that was like investigated out. That was done in like the 1920s before the happenings of Fantastic Beasts and where to oh, find them. Oh, right. So yeah, British families from France. Maybe there are France, French connections, I guess. Uh, who knows? But yeah, so the 28 names like have a lot of other names as well, like Weasley's. Very obviously, Malfoy's, Blacks, yeah, um, Lestrange, Bulstrode, there's so like Flint, Gaunt. These are all names that you hear from the Harry Potter um, franchise, right? Ollivander, yeah, Shacklebolt, yep. Very obviously, like some of the names like might be a bit more obscure, like Bulstrode. Melissa Bulstrode was a Slytherin girl that was in Hogwarts with Harry. In fact, hers was the hair she Hermione thought she stole to try and break into the Slytherin locker room. But oh, it was cat hair. Right. Millicent Bullstroke, that is her. Flint was Mar- Captain Marcus Flint of the Slytherin Quidditch team when Harry was a first year. Yeah. Gaunt, Marvolo Gaunt. Everybody knows that. And there are like the 28 families, basically. Sorry, I'm dumping. It's Harry Potter knowledge. <laughs> Harry Potter knowledge that is useless elsewhere that is coming up right now. But yeah, I thought that was really cool, you know, for them to insert these kinds of nerdy things. As a nerd, I appreciate that. So thank you for that. But screw you for the story. <laughs> and all throughout this episode so far, we've I've you've kind of probably been hearing me refer to this as the last movie. Yeah. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that now. So initially in 2016, before when production for Fantastic Beasts hadn't even begun yet, um, it was announced that the Fantastic Beast franchise was would run by fi- would run for five movies. This was announced by J.K. Rowling, and this doesn't seem to be the case anymore because most reports have been calling it the Fantastic Beasts trilogy recently. Okay, so it kind of seems that it's pointing towards that this might be the last film. And although Warner Brothers has plans for a fourth Fantastic Beasts, they already announced that their plans to move forward with Fantastic Beasts 4, unnamed yet, will depend on the box office uh, performance of Secrets of Dumbledore. Oh, right. So it was announced. Yeah, it was announced right before Dumbledore Secrets of Dumbledore aired in theaters. Wow, basically they are playing the Pagro game. Come kind watch of, my yeah. uh, come come watch if our you like movie. it. Come watch it. If not, we're not gonna make any more. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, this was also before. I think this was also before the merger. Right. Okay. So we don't know what's gonna happen with that as well. Yeah, might change, might not, and a little bit of kind of maybe good news that it might seem like good news. It's a little bit of good news, bad news actually, because it is it had a lot of good reviews, surprisingly to you, I think. It had a mostly mostly good reviews, in fact. And Secrets of Dumbledore, as of the 14th of June, which is when we're recording this, is the sixth highest grossing movie of the year. Oh, really? Which is quite impressive, right? Very impressive. Yeah. However, it set the record for the lowest grossing Harry Potter film of all time in the, in the for opening week. So, like I said, a bit of good news, bad news. And I did a little digging. As of 14th of June, this is the standings for box office draws globally. Number one, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Distributed by Disney, of course. It's worldwide gross. I think it's still showing in some places, but it's it's like 70 million shy of a billion. Something like that. Yeah, kind of makes sense, actually. 930, 9, It's like yeah, almost a yeah. billion dollars, right? Yeah. After that is the Batman, which is obviously by Warner Brothers. Yeah. 
it grossed seven hundred and seventy million dollars and like three hundred thousand whatever. Yeah. Um. Third is Top Top Gun Maverick, which had just been released recently. Yeah. yeah. People have been telling me it's really good. Apparently, it's. Really I really want to yeah. watch it now. I, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. That drew in seven forty seven million, and it goes better at Lake Changjin two than Uncharted than Fantastic Beasts. So it looks like it's doing well. Fantastic Beasts drew in, it's still showing, I think, some places, but it drew in like $400 million, which is not bad. But I dug a little deeper and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness drew in almost like $930 million. Its budget was $200 million. Right. So that's okay. a really big profit, right? Yeah. The Batman, its budget was $185 to $200 million. It wasn't really... I couldn't really find a yeah. fixed amount, but they drew in like $770 million, That's which major awesome, profit, right? right? Yeah. Um, Top Gun Maverick, the budget was $170 million. Okay. It's still showing. People like us haven't watched it yet, and it's already drawn in $747 million. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, Battle at Lake Changjin, I couldn't get a budget. It was a Chinese film. It was uh, distributed by Huaxia. I, I have no I idea what know. it's about. Yeah, yeah, but its budget was... I, like, I couldn't find it. <laughs> okay. So you go to Uncharted, which was released by Sony Pictures, 120 million budget, 401 million gross. Kind of makes sense with a smaller budget. Yeah, it doesn't, exactly. It doesn't scale uh, linear, Precisely. in a linear way. And it's, it's a smaller yeah. budget, so that 400 million looks pretty good still, yeah. you know, based on like percentages. Yeah. Fantastic Beast, sixth movie of the year. It grossed $400 million and its budget was $200 million. That's a budget that is comparable to Doctor Strange. Yeah. Who is, which is an MCU yeah. production who has people like Benedict Cumberbatch who's been in so many properties already. His paycheck must be huge. Oh, def- definitely. Yeah. People like Wong yeah. whose paycheck would probably be huge as well. Of course. Yeah, of course. And yeah. like um, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Paycheck should be major. Of course. And like Fantastic Beasts, the major paychecks are probably Jude Law and Eddie Redmayne. Yep. Agree. Dan Fogler, probably not so much. Maybe a little bit. Maybe because he like last minute substitute and all that. Yeah, they, I don't know. They yeah. cut out. They cut out a lot of Queenie's parts. She yeah. wasn't really much of it. Poppy wasn't in it. Uh, Jacob. Jacob Danforger. Oh, Danforger. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a budget of two hundred million. F- it doesn't look good. That's basically what I'm saying. You know, and and given that actually Harry Potter franchise is almost as big as Marvel's. Precisely. The fact that this happened, it means the kind of. It's excitement towards Harry Potter will in this at least in this fantastic it's dwindling, piece, yeah. it's dwindling and yeah here's here's a little bit of a comparison the seventh highest grossing movie of this year so far Sonic the Hedgehog two which was oh. released by Paramount hey Paramount, hey, oh, Paramount. okay so yeah. we can expect that on Paramount Plus I guess yeah uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two grossed three hundred and ninety seven million plus in theaters and its budget was ninety to one hundred and ten million. Oh, actually, that's doing pretty yeah. well, man. Yeah, precisely. And like we, the rest of it, we have Jurassic World Dominion, which just released the bad guy and Too Cool to Kill, which is another China film. Right. But yeah, th- that's essentially... And their budgets... Okay, Jurassic World Dominion, it just came out like this past week. And it's it's at like $390 million already. Wow, So it's okay. going to climb up even more. Yeah. And its budget was high. It was like $185 million. Still, not, nothing compared to but Harry Potter. But it's going to go up more this is just the first week precisely, is ending. yeah precisely it's 9 million away from hitting maybe 9 to 10 million away from hitting a Harry uh, uh, Fantastic Beast right 
Uh, we could check this weekend, after this weekend. We should check next Monday. Probably, you know, it'll surpass Fantastic Beasts already. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know for a fact I'm going to watch Jurassic World tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> which I just found out just like two or three hours ago. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> just found that out. But yeah, it doesn't seem very good for the franchise. Furthermore... David Yates, who is, like I mentioned, directed every single Harry Potter film franchise, in the Harry single film in the Harry Potter franchise since The Order of the Phoenix, he has signed on to direct a film called Pain Hustlers, which stars Emily Blunt. Okay. Outside already. So he's already signed up to direct that already. Right. Okay, then maybe that's a so, yeah. sign off. Yeah, I mean, with that, it's highly unlikely that David Yates will be able to have the time should the studios decide to move forward with the fourth installment of Fantastic Beasts, which either means a new director, which, hey, I mean, maybe, which might be good for the series because you need to do... I mean, I don't think he's been doing the best job so far. Yeah. So maybe it might be a new time for a new director anyway, if they carry forward. But it's I would say this is another negative point for whether the movie's going to happen. And also this, all of this so far, coupled with the whole dropping Johnny Depp drama, with That's the right. J.K. Rowling's LGBTQIA plus comments, backlash, and the Ezra Miller's stupidity and stupid and dangerous behavior. You know, it, there's... I, I, If I were the studio, they, this whole thing certainly doesn't inspire much confidence with this, me. I feel that this project is like Warner's Brothers' cursed child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly speaking, yeah. I think this cursed franchise might not get to tell the end to Grindelwald's story, you know? And like, okay, and finally, like, honestly speaking, it's getting a little bit tougher and tougher to have a franchise named Fantastic Beasts and <laughs> progressing the story because some of the creatures are definitely shoehorned uh, in, like the freaking crap walking nonsense. Yeah. And the story seems to have been purposely written around other beasts, which like the chillin. Furthermore, the end of Credence's story, with his death at the end of this movie, which had been a major storyline in the franchise from the beginning. Yeah. From uh, where to find them through Crimes of Grindelwald till now. It really feels like a hard pivot point into Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. Because there are so many other things that happen, like their blood pack their blood pact is broken as well. Yep. It really feels like it was just coming on to a final battle between the two of them and it's done. Yeah. You know, in my head, if you're going to write, you're going to prepare for a five movie, right? The first three has to reach, the third movie has to be the climax. Yeah. Because for, of this whole Credence portion mm-hmm. and the end of this third movie has to lead to something that is, oh, something open up. I a don't know. A big thing. A big thing is to going to happen. Spring e- you to the end. Exactly, yeah. right? And then, then you know that, oh, I'm excited for the fifth movie because now fourth will be a preparation yeah, from exactly. what happened, the consequences of the third movie. And then the fifth will be the finally, oh, this whole battle of Dumbledore and Grindelwald is because of this big things happening. Yep, exactly. But in fact, the third movie, Credence barely do anything. I, I Honestly speaking, I think it's because he's a fucking dickhead. Okay, I mean, that could be one, one aspect. Yeah. But the other aspect means that the, they're dropping the whole storyline. I mean, you can still write a storyline yeah. based on uh, Credence and the Obscure without yeah. having Ezra Miller being there. That's true, yeah. Acting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could have write, written anything. They have basically all the lore in the world that they could change. And it, it's not like they have a good system that they have to 
like rigidly follow anyway. Yeah, it's a soft world building yeah. in the whole Harry Potter series. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> the way the story ended, like, honestly speaking, even though I'm a sucker for story endings, I think it's a good time to say goodbye to the franchise. I would... You know my point of view about the show. I, yeah. mean, I made it clear. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good time to say goodbye because my favorite things about the movies have always been Eddie Redmayne's performances and the things Eddie Redmayne does. Yes. And yeah, this is just the idea of a franchise being called Fantastic Beasts now. It's going to be impossible. It doesn't make sense. Even the second one doesn't make sense already. No, the second one was still okay. Okay. Because it, it had like Nagini and it had the... That's... Cat, what was it called? The yeah, okay, fine. That was yeah. still okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. This one was the one where it was mostly it's just written a... in, and even the the stuff that was written in. For example, the the whole crab walking thing, it doesn't have a proper payoff. Like this one, the second movie, right? It was him with the cat and that that uh, that yeah, freaking yeah. toy yeah. that he was playing with, and then at the end of it, Poppy used it because she read his book. Yeah, and she yeah. was like. Thing, and then she dropped it back in the suitcase and then it saved all of everyone. Yeah. So that kind of at least have a better payoff. Like you understand the creature well because his, I mean, the point of Fantastic Beasts is to understand the creature. Precisely, right? yeah. And then because you understand the creature, you know what to do around them. Yeah, not, exactly. Not him, but other people as well. Exactly. And like there are so many things that are so horrible about this movie. Apparently, it's been a year plus only since the beginning of the first movie. Because oh, that's what Lally said. Okay. A little year, a little over a year ago, you met, you went down to the bank, about six blocks from here to purchase loan. Right. That's where you encountered a one newt's commander. It's only been a year plus. How the hell did Credence get so much power? How did he learn how to rip through newt's barriers and stuff in just like a year's worth of education? Because it's an obscure and it's a soft magic system. Precisely. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Gallagher Grindelwald should have been a freaking professor, man. Yeah. He could teach everyone the best ways to learn to unlock your potential, apparently. I guess so, yeah. It's so ridiculous, man. None of this, none of it freaking makes sense. I, I think that I think that's the biggest problem with this show. I think a lot of it just don't make sense. Yeah. It's... From even the plot in the second act, right? Mm-hmm. Why would Grindelwald had the whole election for him already? Yeah. Why would he try to, in a sense, poison his competitor? Yeah. To me, right, in my point of view, if you already know the election is going to go your way, that's it, you know? Don't, don't do anything. Yeah. The more you poison, someone dies, someone's going to look into this and say, hey, something's wrong here. Exactly. Let's look into the whole system again. Yeah. I mean, okay, from the beginning, the whole shit is so corrupt already. This guy is, what, pardoned of all his crimes and then he comes back as a candidate immediately. It stinks of freaking corruption already. It, exactly it's, right. It's so poorly written. Yeah. Honestly speaking, the story is so poorly written, and it might be goodbye for. It might be time for J.K. Rowling just to like say goodbye and stop writing. I feel. I think now she's not an author who becomes a billionaire. She's more like a billionaire who, who writes wants to, for who yeah, writes. writes for fun. Yeah. And honestly speaking, I think this Fantastic Beast franchise also it's just kind of a cash grab. I think so, to be honest, yeah. It's... I don't know, man. It, it really sucks. I am so sorry that it turns out to be me ranting or you ranting a bit yeah, there no. for this episode, but it is what it is. It's, it it's poor. It's yeah. a real poor effort here. Well, onward to better and brighter things. <laughs> Do you guys think there will be a fourth Fantastic Beast movie? Let us know. You can reach us at the Podity on Instagram and Twitter. That's T H E P O D D I T Y on Instagram and Twitter. Let us know. You can also let us know. Did you like the movie? Uh, is what we're saying a little too harsh? You know, 
we we love to strike up a conversation. So if anything you would like to say, just let us know. Reach out to us at like our social media. And join us next week where we're gonna be talking about the good place. Yeah. Uh very stay tuned for that. Different show than this, definitely. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, positive thing for one. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned for the good place. But also before that, stay tuned this week on Thursday for Potty More, where we have round two of the Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit game. Oh man, not looking forward to that. Uh, it's probably the last time we're going to be able to do that because let's face it, it's probably not going to be any more Harry Potter stuff coming out. But we future. can be talking about the previous Harry Potter. Oh, we did have that. We kind of. Uh, oh, we'll see. It's probably the last time you ever get have get trashed in this on like and publish it on the internet. But yeah. Also, <laughs> I would like to ask you a little bit about the beasts in in from this franchise in a D and D setting. But we'll get to that at more. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Nate. I'm Steven. We'll catch you at more. Bye.